0: Welcome to the Seller Growth Podcast, sharing valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Here is your host,
1: Rob Stanley. Hey everyone, Rob Stanley here with the Seller Growth Podcast, and today my special guest is Stephen Black. Hey Stephen.
0: Hi Robbie, how you doing, man? Doing great,
1: man. It's been a long time since you and I have talked other than a messaging back and forth. Yep. And today we got some great stuff. We're going to be talking about the five systems your Amazon business needs for startup to scaling. So we're going to cover a little bit of everything and a lot for everybody to listen to and, and join in on. So, uh, you know, speaking of join in, anybody who's on our live, uh, live on our Facebook or on uh, on YouTube please be sure to hit that like button and subscribe and also post some questions, comments. Uh, Steven's always welcome to take comments and we cover a lot of subjects. So Steven, let's start with, you know, the very first one, what of these five systems, what is the very first one?
0: Okay. So of the five systems, the one that most people think about and understand and spend the most of their time on is attraction. Now, Getting more people to your listings, getting more people, if it's on your Amazon listings or to your social media sites or to a Shopify store, most people think, okay, well, I have to run PPC or I have to run Facebook ads or Google shopping ads or whatever it is to drive traffic. And they think that if they're going to drive more traffic, then magically it's going to print more money. But what you have to understand is that's only one of five systems of business that you need to cover if you really want to set something up for sustained profitability and scaling, whether your business is only on Amazon or it's it's also off of Amazon. So the first one is attraction and a lot of people get hung up there. So for whatever that's worth, that's where I guess we should start talking about strategizing and everything else.
1: Yes. So let, let's go so go into that a little bit deeper. So that that's kind of a high level answer, which I, I appreciate and that and that's a good one. I, yeah. I know you, and I know that there's yeah. more to that. So yeah, there, dive into that a little deeper. There is. Okay. Big shout out to Kyle. He just jumped on. We, hi, Kyle, and uh, everybody else who's joining us. Please be sure to subscribe, hit that like button, and post some questions. Go ahead there,
0: Steven. Okay. So when you when you initially think about setting up your business, especially as systems, you have three things you have to do as a seller. You have to get strangers to talk to you. You have to get anybody that's talked to you or been to your listing to try to buy. But then the third thing is you wanna make sure you give everybody that is engaged with you and everybody that has bought from you a reason to continually re-engage and a way to do that. And sometimes if you're only on Amazon, that's, that's difficult. Now, does that mean you need to set up this big monster at first? No. But when you're setting up your systems of attraction, it might be a social media following, it might only be Amazon PPC stuff, and really, really making sure you hammer on those those organic, uh, you know, leads for your listing as well. But that's your attraction phase. That's what you need to think about. Say, so, okay, if I'm going to map out the five systems, maybe I'm only running PPC. Maybe I'm only optimizing that for now. But if I want to scale or if I want to grow my brand, what else can I do to bring more people? to my Amazon listing or my social media pages or a Shopify store or what have you. So when you want to start thinking and learning about maybe Google search ads or Google shopping ads or Facebook ads or you know running affiliate links with influencers, all of that falls under attraction because that's only the manner in which you're going to get more bodies and more eyeballs to your listing where they can buy. But once they're on the listing or they're on your store, or let's say you, you you are taking them to a single page lander where you're trying to farm emails out of them, you go from attraction to the next phase, which is conversion optimization. And we'll go from there as as you go, Okay, wait,
1: them. I've got questions. <laughs> Come on. Come on. All right. So, so uh, you, you did talk about Google ads. You talked about Facebook ads. So let's talk, let's dive into those just a little bit more before yeah. we move on to step two or our part two. Yeah. Uh, so g- Google ads, uh, Google ads, uh, I'm, g- I'm going to make this kind of a little bit lengthy question. Google ads, A, are they kind of still effective? B, are you using them to drive to say, like to a Shopify store or are you trying to drive them still to your Amazon? And then uh, Facebook, I assume when you talk about Facebook, same sort of question. Are you driving them to like uh, your, your personal store or are you driving them to Amazon to get those results? I know that's kind of a long one, but uh, I uh, think we need to dive into that a little more.
0: That one's, that one's easy to answer. Okay, so <sighs> Google Ads and Google Search and Shopping Ads, which are the two big ones there, uh, versus Facebook Ads. Let's talk about separating them out first because they are wildly different tools. And people think, well, if one's not working, I'll throw money at the other. And that's not actually how that works. What you need to understand is that uh, your Amazon PPC and how you do that on Amazon, that is an intent-based advertising. But everybody on the platform already knows that the only results they're going to get for the intent that they type in to the uh, search bar are going to be product pages. Whereas if you're doing Google search, functions the same way. So when people type in something in the Google search bar, the first few results are going to be ads, but they are going to match the intent of the searcher in the moment. Okay. Facebook ads, you do not get to match the intent in the moment as the person has the intent. It's interruptive marketing. It's completely different in the way that you approach it. Now to dive into the actual questions, where am I driving them how am I using that? All of that kind of thing. Okay, so with uh, with Google Search Ads, with Google Search Ads, I won't run Google Search Ads um, directly to a product page because the way that I use Google Search Ads are usually based on longer-tailed questions that people are asking about maybe something in the space that's product related or a product feature or something like that. And I want to have a piece of content on a website where I can send people like that because they're not at the stage of buyer awareness where they're fully sold on how to handle their problems and thus product seeking. So I can bring people in and work them down the buyer's journey without having to spend so much money um, like I would say on Facebook ads or Google shopping ads for the people that are ready to rock for a product. Now, that said, with Google shopping ads, you cannot run those to Amazon. You have to have, say, a Shopify store with a product page and all of that optimized. But what you need to understand is that if you're on Amazon and you're thinking about having a website, even if it's just one product and you have a single, pa- a single product store, guys, Google shopping ads are one of the easiest wins to start expanding where you're catching people and, and bringing people into your product pages. Google shopping ads are 60, a little over 60%, really, I think it's one of the last numbers of all of Google's ad revenue. And that's Google search ads, Google shopping ads, YouTube ads, Google Display Network. Over 60% is Google shopping ads, which means people are searching on Google and seeing something come up for sale and saying, ooh, I want that. So Amazon PPC is just a peeled down version of how Google search and Google shopping really works because it's showing intent in the moment. So if you understand one, that's a very easy bridge to cross and start expanding just a little bit onto another channel. Now, let's go to Facebook ads. Facebook ads are interruptive marketing, okay? I like to run Facebook ads uh, two different ways. Number one, if you're going to run Facebook ads and you want people to buy from you, you can't do it on Amazon because you cannot set up a conversion event that it can track properly on the Amazon platform. You can't set up your conversion pixel uh, and and that that particular event in the standard pixel events on Amazon can't do it. So you're not getting the highest quality traffic from your Facebook ads people that are going to actually be purchasers on your Amazon listings, but you're not lost if it's only Amazon. So here's what I do. Okay. Now I'll run people to my Shopify store, right? That parallels all of my Amazon listings because I'll never let Amazon have the only control over what I have going on. That's just asking for trouble there. So I'll run uh, purchase conversion ads, website conversion ads uh, on Facebook ads to people that I think would be interested. And I run them to my Shopify store. All right. Same with my Google shopping ads. Now here's where Amazon comes in because everybody loves Amazon. So we need to use that to our advantage and leverage it properly. You have a great tool there if you still have Amazon going on. But if you run everybody to your store, you're going to have abandoned carts. Usually your abandoned cart rate is somewhere in the 25 to 30% range of everybody you bring to your store. So for every 100 people you bring to your store, you're going to have between 20 and 30 abandoned carts. Those are your highest intent audience, okay? So why wouldn't you then also use Facebook ads to retarget those people as a custom audience, but instead of sending them back to your Shopify store, say, hey, by the way, you could also buy this on Amazon. It's a couple of dollars cheaper, and you get the prime buying experience, Holy crap. Now you're using Amazon properly because you can leverage the convenience and the trust factor of the platform, and they're still buying your products. Easy win there. Very, very easy win.
1: Yeah, perfect. So we we actually
0: both side by side.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. And 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 that's and we're gonna go more. I mean, we got a lot more to go here. If anybody who's just joining us, I got Steven Black from Unstoppable FBA. We're talking Basically about five systems, your Amazon business needs from startup to scaling. And we're, we're kind of focused a little bit on uh, driving traffic that's not necessarily on Amazon. It, it's, it's kind of a simple way to put it. But we yep. did have a question come in. I want to make sure we address it. Uh, Kyle it's just hit one. us up and, and I'll uh, go ahead and just kind of throw it up on the screen here. And I'll just paraphrase it. So uh, how can you sell the same product on Amazon and my Shopify store? Uh, I know there are two different business models. I think is what he meant to say. Uh, yeah. But is there a way to sell on both platforms? Absolutely. Good question, Kyle. Keep those questions coming, guys.
0: Absolutely. So the way that I run this, everybody asks me with all the tools that we have available to sh- to, to to sell on Amazon and help us and everything else. All right. Um, one of the ways that that I really have 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 jumped in is I'll use Shopify to help validate the way that I'm writing my listings for a new product so I can drive traffic and I can get all of the analytics and I can do some split testing and really hammer out what the, what the product images are going to be and what the text and everything else is going to be in bullet form, let's say. And if something starts selling really well on my Shopify store, I'll take some of my inventory and extra inventory mm-hmm. and I'll throw that onto Amazon because I've already optimized kind of how I want the listing. There's a little bit of optimization left because the platforms are a little different, but you can absolutely have inventory in the Amazon FBA warehouse and in your Shopify store, whether you're self-fulfilling or you're fulfilling via FBA, or you have a third party warehouse. All right. Now, as far as getting the fulfillment sorted, let's say you sell something on Shopify, all of your inventory is on FBA, And you're like, oh my gosh, if I sell something on Shopify, I don't want to have to deal with logistics. Great, don't. Shopify is tied into Amazon. They have something called um, multi-channel fulfillment. Now, it sounds great uh, out of the gate, but there's a couple of things you need to understand, especially with logistics being really, really tight right now. We're all still recovering from Q4. Logistics is totally backlogged. and, And what was happening is if you got a Shopify order they would push sending that thing out uh, like a week before they would even send it out of the FBA warehouse. So you have to be very careful about that. Now, one of my favorite apps on Shopify that makes all of that automatic is an app called Byte Stand. That's B-Y-T-E-S-T-A-N-D. So it's Byte with a Y, all right? Byte stand is something where when you get a Shopify order, it automatically fulfills it via FBA. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to do manual inventory fulfillment and blah, blah, blah. It's just if you have somebody come from Shopify, be it Google shopping ads or Facebook ads or search engine optimization or a social media referral or what the hell ever. If you sell it on Shopify, but all your inventory is an in FBA, guess what? The box will come from Amazon. You're good to go. Everybody's happy. They get all the tracking information. They take care of that. ByteStand is how to do that automatically. All right. So that's how I would answer that. Now, as far as, as pricing goes, Amazon does not like there to be a lower price if you're selling a product externally. And based on what I just said and how I retarget people, I usually have my products on Shopify, maybe a couple of dollars more expensive because then you can give the idea of a perceived discount when you're retargeting your highest intent shoppers plus the convenience of the Amazon platform and your conversion rates on retargeting are much higher that way. It's a no brainer. That's how you set it up and leverage everything together. All right. So that should answer that question pretty easily.
1: No, that was perfect. That was perfect. So my question would be, uh, because I was just thinking about this. Mm -hmm. So you're selling on Amazon, kind of like what point, Steven, should you start looking at these other options like Facebook uh, or Google ads or things like that? Right. I mean, most sellers, if they start out, they probably want to just learn Amazon first and kind of get going. So where is that kind of sweet spot where you kind of feel like, Hey, uh, this is about the time you should start looking at these other options. Okay.
0: For me, um, I started building my my shopify stores well to be fair let me back up here so most cuz most people don't know the entire story i came into amazon backwards from where most people start most people start on amazon and then learn the external marketing and learn the websites and learn data attribution and all of that thing i was already doing all of that and then came into the amazon world so i came in with all the marketing skills i mean i had been doing it over a decade at that point so let's let's reverse that. So I just want to preface that. So some of the things I say, everybody knows, Steve-O came in backwards. So I'm going to put myself in reverse here. If I were only on Amazon and I was like, okay, well, this sounds great. There's a lot of other skills to have to sort out. You're right. You don't need to figure out other forms of advertising if you don't have another bucket somewhere else. If you cannot bring people somewhere other than Amazon, the external traffic is not being leveraged in in as big a manner as it should be because you're not getting all the data. Now, if you're on Amazon only, understand you don't have any control over how to touch your customers. They do not let you talk to your customers. And, you know, figure out how to have a bigger relationship with them and deal with customer retention practices and all of this other stuff that are it's wonderful once you get off the platform but it's a lot more work to figure out. For me, once you start selling and you're profitable, understanding how to set up an external website where you can collect emails and you can have conversations and you can start learning to drive traffic, right? Set it up externally once you're profitable immediately. Once you get a few months where you're like, okay, I've got this thing sorted. I I don't want you to think that it's time to scale. Don't think we're, okay, we're going to go deep over here and it's going to be this big thing. And oh my God, now I got to learn all this crap. No. If you say, okay, I'm going to start paralleling a Shopify store over here just to start that learning process. So I have the tools in place, right? Understand that that's actually risk mitigation, You're protecting what you're building by having a secondary presence somewhere where you can start to look at who your customers are and actually do emails with them and set up better customer retention practices and farm reviews differently. Maybe it's not a Shopify store. Maybe it's an Instagram channel, right? Or maybe not even that. Maybe all of a sudden you have a Facebook group around a certain topic and you're, you're, you're starting to build a little bit of a presence there. That's an easy win, easy, easy win right there. And it's just risk mitigation so that let's say they cut your inventory to where you're only allowed to send in so much. Let's say you get some fake IP claim and all of a sudden your, your listing is suspended because you got somebody that, that is a jerk on the platform. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. So you're protecting yourself by starting to learn what's going on Once you start your systems in place on the Amazon platform and you're profitable, that's where I would start. Does that work?
1: That works. So we did have a question come in. I'm going to rephrase it a little bit. I'm going to say what they, what they wrote then Mm -hmm. I'm going to uh, rephrase it slightly. So they said best sources for external traffic to Amazon, please. But I think I want to start with where should they start first? Where where is the kind of the first one they should go to? And then second part to that would be, uh, you know, you and I were talking about marketing (laughs) how we're working all these hours. Uh, you know, when you, when people jump into a realm, let's say they're not really too familiar with, uh, maybe they're not familiar with Google ads or Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how much time should they kind of think they're going to end up spending on this to kind of learn and get going on it?
0: Got it. All right. So two questions there. Yep. The first one is best sources for external traffic to Amazon. Um, I,
1: or where do they start first? Which one where, is, where, which would, is I one where would I start? Where would I start? First,
0: I I would start with Google search ads. Absolutely. Because the skill set required is going to most closely parallel uh, Amazon PPC. If you're familiar with keywords and, you know, broad phrase and exact matching, and you understand negative keyword lists and all of that kind of thing, like you're doing on the Amazon platform, um, Google search ads... Uh, are are going to be an easy win there. You can run them to Amazon. The only reason I talk so much about running them to Shopify instead is because I'm an absolute fiend for owning the data. I want to be able to track everything. Right? But that's that's me. I'm crazy about that. But Google search you can set it up to where, okay, well, here's the link to where I'm going for the listing. You can use, you know, a deep link. You can use your two-step URL and try to put some, some, some rank juice on, on the inside of the link. Um, but that's where I would start because it's going to be the most parallel and similar skill set and you're capitalizing on people still having intent in the moment. They're looking for something specific. All right. So let's say you don't have an external website where you can leverage Google shopping ads. If you're only on Amazon, but you qualify for that phrase, you can advertise against that phrase and off you go. That's the easiest win there for Amazon sellers. And there's so much volume there, so much volume. And the beautiful part is just like on Amazon versus Facebook, as example, just like on Amazon, you're only paying per click. You could get a million impressions on on Google search, but if nobody clicks, you're not paying anything. Whereas like say Facebook ads, you're paying for reach, you're paying per thousand impressions. your, your, your you know your your click measurements are uh, uh, just just an ancillary there on Facebook ads, but Google search you're only paying per click. Now, uh, the question just popped into the feed. Should we consider Google search ads as a cheap economical way to bring traffic? Okay. Not if you're doing it properly. Do you really want to bring super discount shoppers and cheap clicks onto your onto your listing? Not necessarily. If I if I'm paying, say, 20 cents a click to get people to my listing, but it's not really converting all that well whereas i could spend maybe a dollar 50 or 2 dollars but those people are buying big time because i'm on a much higher intent phrase not just the keyword i'm on a much higher intent phrase well if i pay a little more but they're converting more i'm making more money who cares i'm still profitable that's that's Absolutely. what we want to think about but google search is the easiest way to do that and uh I think that also sets up behind your your, your second question about time management Mm -hmm. on what you would have to learn. And that's why I tell people, okay, everybody's like, oh, Facebook ads, Facebook ads, Facebook ads. But realistically, if you look around, almost exclusively, everyone running Facebook ads to their Amazon listing is doing some version of search, find, buy, or many chat, or something like that. You're not actually running purchase conversions to Amazon because you can't. And if you want to start looking around at the different marketing groups and they talk about scaling and going from, say, you know, $300 a day on Facebook ads to where we're doing four dollars or $5,000 per day on Facebook ads, you have to be able to do website purchase conversions plus all of your retargeting. That only happens off the platform. It is a completely different monster that you'd have to learn. So if you start with Google search ads, you're already learning those skills. And if you can see how it works on Google versus on Amazon, they will teach each other. You'll learn the skill sets because Google is just an expanded version where you get more control. You can bid a little differently. You can have different um, goals. You can have like actual conversion goals versus just regular cost per click stuff on Amazon. That's kind of how that works. Now, here's a fun little secret that most people don't realize we all know that Bezos um, um, is a big time investor, big big time investor, right? Did you know that he was one of the original guys that gave the Google boys money? Ooh, didn't mm. know that. That's a new one. Mm-hmm. You can look it up. It's public knowledge. He gave he gave I forget how much it was, but I, th- I think it might have been like a quarter million dollars or something like that. So, and he's not a dumb guy. Why do you think that that Amazon's advertising is based on matching intent in the moment? That's why your conversion rates on Amazon are like 25 plus percent. Because everybody knows I type something in and I'm expecting to be shown products, not content. It's 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 it's, it's like a product only Google search. And if he gave them money and it works so well together, do you not think that he modeled some of how Amazon PPC works off of how Google search ads also works as a basic bones? You bet your ass he did because he realized that's where people are winning versus interruptive marketing like Facebook. Mm -hmm. So there you go.
1: Absolutely. All right. and uh, Kyle, we'll get to your question in just a second, but I've got something for Steven. Uh, So, We're covering kind of like Google ads and and Facebook are kind of always your first go-to. I mean, that seems to be the ones a lot of people know about. There's a lot of other social media platforms out there that are maybe not being used. And I'm going to give you a a few, for instance, or a few examples. And I'd like you to give me a few tips on each one. Come on. Uh, I know Steven, though, he could probably go on for a couple hours on each one, but we'll just keep it going. So uh, we've got YouTube out there. We've got Instagram out there. uh, Pinterest is still out there. What kind of tips could you give everybody on, on those platforms? Will they be effective and what should you do? And what kind of tips would you give on those?
0: Okay, we'll cover each one individually. So, YouTube, uh, you're going to have a tough time on YouTube just trying to get people to buy products uh, and showing them only products unless you have a really, really great video ad. Uh, that that has a decent production value and it's not overly long um, this is why some of the ads for products on youtube that employ humor work really really well and not every brand uh and also not every seller is going to be able to put something together that is produced well that's going to keep attention the way something like that does some great ads to look at on YouTube are the doctor squatch soap ads okay they crush but YouTube is also big for kind of brand awareness. So if you want to catch people further up what we call the five stages of awareness, it's a copywriting thing. People who are maybe not product aware yet, they don't know what products are out there to kind of solve their problems. Or if a product that they need to buy is actually going to be what they should be doing and using to solve their problem. That brand awareness thing saying, hey, we're here we understand you. You should come and check out what we have going on. That's kind of how YouTube really works there. Um, If you have a higher margin product, if something over $200 or something like that, YouTube can work okay. Absolutely. But I want you to understand, you don't search for YouTube ads that you see, do you? Nope. It's not intent-based. It's kind of that interruptive-based advertising. Just because you, you, you're you looking and you've clicked through for a video to watch, well, the ads on those videos don't always match the same subject of the videos. So it's kind of an interruptive marketing kind of thing. It's kind of like Facebook, but for for brand awareness is how I would talk about that. Now, um, Pinterest, you mentioned.
1: Wait, wait, wait. I want to jump in. Come on. Because I... Cause I made a ton of money on YouTube. <laughs> so one of the ways we would use YouTube and, and everybody doesn't know I had an iPhone repair business uh, for 20 mm. years. It was prior to iPhones, but let's just take an example of something that's not an iPhone. Cause that's kind of an easy one, right? For me, it was like, we made an informational video, how to repair your iPhone. And of course people would go to our website to buy the part. Let's yep. go with something like a garlic press. Okay. Not now what you could do, and I'm using the garlic press. Yep is you could do a video on how to use it, how it works. Now, the reason I was using the video is was kind of like you were talking about earlier with the Google ads, you're paying for those keywords. I was keywording the title. So for instance, if I knew somebody was searching for garlic red garlic press premium or something like that, I could put how to use a red garlic pre- press premium uh to make guacamole or something like that and what i'm doing is keywording so if i knew somebody was putting in red garlic press premium in a search title i know that's a terrible one but no it's fine i would i would want the video to come up as part of that search so i was using it kind of and i think it matches kind of what you were saying more for brand awareness Mm -hmm. but it also made people like go watch the video they would kind of watch it it gives them a little understanding of it but it was mainly for that that google search is what i was mainly using.
0: So that's, that's kind of what I was alluding to, and I didn't want to go too high level there. Um, but what you're talking about there is you used it the way you're supposed to, but instead of just talking about your product and saying, this is all the product features, you you talked about how to use it. You talked about setting up a video to put them in the driver's seat of okay, this is how this works. I understand it now. I understand how it would solve my problems a little better. And you gave them something to aspire to in using the product or imagining themselves using the product as a possibility. And that's kind of what what would drive it over there. And not everybody is is able to connect that way with their advertising. A lot of people view YouTube as oh well, everybody's on Facebook and Google, so I'm going to go over to YouTube. And it's you know. There's less competition there. No, the hell it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, you can still get you know smoked over there, or you can make money if you just understand that it's a little bit of a different channel. Now, Pinterest. Um, Pinterest is is not a social media uh, platform. People think it is, but it's not. It's not not even close. Facebook and Instagram, uh, and unfortunately Twitter, uh, but Facebook and Instagram and Reddit and Twitter are the social media platforms. Why are those the social media platforms versus say Pinterest and YouTube and and a couple of the others? Because you talk to each other on those platforms. That's where conversations happen. And conversations equal conversions, but most people don't realize that. So Pinterest is kind of like Instagram and Google had a baby. It is a search engine. You have to understand SEO to make Pinterest really work. The other side of Pinterest is that you have to be able to take them somewhere. If people are clicking on your products, the the usual purchase window is over three months once they find something on Pinterest. Okay, You have to be able to link somewhere. So I always tell people, if you really want to maximize Pinterest, you're trying to maximize a following that is going to continually re-engage with content that you're going to put up somewhere. So unless you're going to be heavy on the blogging side and the tutorial side and putting up regular content to answer people's questions in your space on an external website, I wouldn't spend time on Pinterest. You can drive you know, a lot of traffic, if you have some good looking product images. But at the same time, if you really want to go deep on Pinterest, you have to parallel it with somewhere they can go and the content because people go on Pinterest for bite-sized little bits and say, oh, I'm going to kind of bookmark that. I'm going to repin that, put that on my board. That way I can go back and I can explore that topic. That's how Pinterest really works. Now, a great example Great example of an Amazon brand that is absolutely annihilating Pinterest, right? Is um, it's a company that sells uh, home decor items. Like it's called iDesign on Pinterest. Uh, if you go on Amazon and you look up uh, iDesign shower curtain, as example, you'll see the company. And if you look them on, if you look them up on Pinterest, they have like two million viewers per month on their Pinterest channel. But if you look at the composition of the photography, it's unbelievable, right? Same with their Instagram channel. The photography and the composition of how things are set up is, it's so professional. It's astounding, right? So if they're selling little containers to organize your pantry and your bathroom and this kind of thing, it's like this not fair HGTV, perfect arranged thing showcasing their products. So you're always giving people something that's aspirational and that's how they're moving products on those channels. This is also one of those companies that's like in big time, big box stores doing multiple eight figures as well. So that's one to look up. Um, if you wanted to see an Amazon brand that's using Pinterest effectively and they have all kinds of home decor tips and home organization stuff and it's a full operation with them using that channel. Okay. Now, Instagram, let's go to Instagram. Instagram is a great place to take content and serve it to people bite sized and build a good following that you can repeatedly monetize. Um, Kind of like having an email list in a public space is the way that I think about Instagram. And it's been pretty effective that way. Um, When you you go to Instagram influencers, so many people make the mistake of going to Instagram influencers and saying, okay, well, if I give you a tracking code and can you feature my product, maybe I'll get some sales from an Instagram influencer. Most people don't realize most of the Instagram influencers have a following, but don't know their ass from a hole in the ground about how to actually influence people's behavior. They don't hold that much pull, all right? And if they do, and I can point out quite a few, when they shout out a product, it's because they have shouted it out multiple times and people know that they use this product all the time before they'll go and actually click and convert um, on, on that referral. But if you think for a second, you're just going to pay some influencer a few hundred bucks and give them one of your products and they're just going to shout it out a couple of times and never hear from you again, and you're going to get a bunch of Amazon sales that way. You are going to be crying yourself to sleep at night waiting for that to happen. Because influ- at, at, at Instagram does not work that way. Good luck. Anybody that tells you different, say okay. Let me see the actual conversion rates from the influencers that you use, and how many times they have had to shout it out, versus yeah. how you could spend that money on other channels. And if if somebody's trying to push influencers on you and They can't show you that hard data. Mm -mm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah,
1: and I would also just just to add to that, if if you if you decide you want to use an influencer, I think you want to use a category specific influencer. Very much. Like if they're yeah, if if you're selling uh, let's just go with like camping gear, right? You want to find somebody who's an outdoor type person, talks about camping. You know, is is does that does that category, yeah. basically, Yeah. It, then it's going to be more effective. You know, if you're, going, so. if you're just going to somebody that you're just like, hey, they have millions of followers, I'll get somebody. Yeah, you might get a few, but you want to really target. Right? So, yeah.
0: so let's use that. Let's use that example yeah. with, with with the camper thing. What you have to understand is when you use the influencers correctly, if you're selling camping gear, if you get someone who's an avid traveler and their entire Instagram, their whole life is about traveling and camping and being outdoors and taking those landscape pictures and you know talking about living out of a van for three weeks while they're traveling to national parks and blah, 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 blah. Well, what hap- what's really happening is everybody that follows that, it's not Instagram anymore. It's ImaginationGram. Everybody that follows that says, oh my gosh, I want to... I want to live out what I'm seeing in front of me. This is how they're doing it. This is what I can plan and aspire to do. These are the places I can go. These are the sites I can see if I want to live that lifestyle. What gear are they using? So when they do the shout out, you say, aha, here's where I am. And here's where I'm aspiring to be. And they have just shown me that if I get this product, it will help me manifest some of what I'm aspiring to experience within this space I'm so passionate about. And that's why I follow this influencer. That's how influence works, especially with product stuff. But they have to be way into the space. So when you look at that kind of stuff, if you're looking to use it as a strategy, you don't want to use it as a short-term cheap click thing. You want to get in with them and say, okay, I want, I want multiple shout outs. I want to have content that's going to be up for more than 24 hours. I want to, to work out some stories with you. You're going to create a relationship so that they you're, you're putting them in a position to where they're becoming a brand ambassador for you almost versus just, hey, go buy this. And they never hear from you again. Don't do that because you're not going to be effective. And I would rather people have more return for their money. And that's how you really use them.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I, I, looping back around, Kyle, I, I, I didn't forget your question. Let's throw up on the screen real quick. So Kyle did ask, uh, do you use rank and bank? What are your thoughts on it?
0: Oh, boy. I do not use rank and bank at all. I do not discount. I do not do giveaways. I think that if you think the word launch involves anything short of building an audience and raving lunatic fans that want your product before launch day, then you don't know what the word launch means. How about
1: that? I'll answer it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Stephen. We, gosh, we, we kind of covered a lot of stuff, but let's try to get – I know uh, we need to get back on track. So the five systems your Amazon business needs from startup to scaling, okay. uh, what have we
0: missed? <laughs> there, are four of, there are four of the ones. So, But okay. we, covered the, we covered the one that everybody wants to know about. They don't really think about the other ones, so I'm going to crush through those real quick. So yep. get your pens and notebooks, friends. And
1: keep keep the questions coming. We got please plenty do. of time here. Please, yeah.
0: please do. I'm I'm I have cleared my most of my afternoon. So we can just let this run. I'm on. down, brother. You know right. me. Um, sure. so we covered attraction. That's how you get people in. And everybody wants to know how do I get more people in? That's great. That's step one of five. Okay. Step two, conversion optimization. All right? This does not mean having prettier pictures on your product listing. Okay? Most people think conversions are more sales, and that's one of the conversion actions. Let's say you wanted to get emails from people. Let's say you wanted people to join your social media page and start having conversations with you and talking with you and engaging with the material that you put out. That's a different conversion action. Okay? But we're usually talking about more sales. So, Guys, here's a fun tip. On just your Amazon pages alone, when you write out your product pages, how you can optimize for more conversions, which means selling more of the people that are already coming to your page and being more profitable that way, you need to arrange the the information on the page to where it is scannable. Your title should not be word soup. Your bullets should not be the, int- the the insufferable wall of text. Okay? I want you to understand if I don't n- understand what the hell the headline means, I'm not going to click through. The headline sells you reading the rest of the listing. I have I need to be able to just scroll down and scan it and say should I go back and read this in detail? Yeah. If it's not scannable, I'm not going to take the time. And you're going to get what nobody on the internet wants, which is click, scan, back, never mind. Next. It's that easy. Okay? Now, when you're talking about your products, most of you are talking about the features of your products. Let's say we're talking about camping gear, a backpack of some variety. Okay? Most people are going to say it's made of this material, and it has this many pockets, and it weighs this much, and that's it. They're talking all about their product, and that's nice. But that's only one of the three things you have to actually talk about, especially in your bullets. I want you to reformulate your brain and think feature plus benefit plus meaning, right? So if we're going to talk about that camping backpack, okay, I don't want to say it has six oversized pockets. That's a feature, okay? Instead, if I say six oversized pockets to make sure you can take all of the things you need when you're leaving base camp and you're going climbing. Oh, now I understand why that's important extra loops so you can hook on your extra carabiners and extra water bottles and blah, blah, blah. Oh, now I understand what that's for. That's a feature I didn't think about until it was pointed out to me. So by getting inside the heads of your target audience and helping them kind of self-service why the benefits matter on your product listing page, you're going to convert more people that you're driving traffic from. So that's step two. Get them to your page, convert more of them. Conversions is step two. Step three is deliverables. You bunch of goobers, just because you put your product in a box and it ships from Amazon, that is not a good deliverable experience. I want more reviews, I want more reviews. You wonderful people. You win the review on the deliverable experience, okay? Once they click purchase to where it's, it's then in their hands, that whole entire experience, you're going to be able to psychologically play with people. The way that your packaging is set up, the way that the product is presented once they open it, the weight of the package itself, the quality of the printing on the package. Okay? Okay. If you're going to leave a card as an insert for review, if you leave it as like a postcard or a piece of paper, okay, that's nice. What if you raised your price $2 and you compensated by having some really high-end like plastic credit card-looking business cards and you had a pocket cut into your um, your packaging to where it was presented like, whoa, okay this is a special thing here. I need to pay attention to this. What is that? I can just scan that. There you go. That's really cool. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like it's higher end. If you take the care to present somebody something, once they get the box, they've all of a sudden feel like, okay, well, I'm getting more than what I expected for here when I paid for things. So when we pay for something, we have a certain expectation of satisfaction. If when they unbox it and they have this wonderful presentation and a customer experience set up waiting for them that's amazing, you're going to get better reviews because you have exceeded their expectations. If you don't exceed their expectations, then your relationship with your customers is strictly transactional. That's like leaving a review for the cashier at the grocery store. You expected them to do their job. They did their job. Everyone's happy. See you later. Right? Now, here's a fun trick, but it happens off of Amazon. One of the things that I do, okay, my Shopify stores, I use this very fun app called Bonjoro. And what happens is when you buy something from me on Shopify, yes, you get the email with the tracking information, but what you really get just absolutely crushes, is a personalized video from me. I get an an email every day, here's this many purchases from your Shopify store. You know, (laughs) Rob, where are you in the country? Uh, California. California. Okay, rock rock and roll. So it'd be like something like, um, I would see Rob bought a green dog collar from my pet store, as example. Okay, cool. He's in California. Okay. It would be like, I, I would, shoot, you know, come on here in the morning and I would shoot like a 20 second video. Hey Rob, Steven from Steven's pet store. Thank you so much for ordering that green dog collar. It's a big one. I can't imagine what kind of monster horse dog you have. Um, the team is going to ship it out today. They would have shipped it out yesterday, but they were out celebrating and walking all of their dogs. It was beautiful out. So couldn't really help ourselves there. While you're waiting for this thing to come in, why don't you check the links below? We have a Facebook group where everybody talks about their fur babies and we have all kinds of tips on living life healthy with your dogs. We would love to see you in there. I'm in there. The team is in there. We can answer all kinds of questions in there. If for some reason you have a problem, you can respond directly here and I or someone on my team will take care of you. Can't wait to see you on the inside. Holy shit. If you get that as my first touch point, that's part of the deliverable experience. You're going to check it out. You're going to go and see, okay, this is either full of garbage or, wow, that's a wonderful customer experience. They have all these other wonderful tips about being with your dog, which is just what the space is, right? And now I'm ready to talk to these people. Why did I do that? Because it just established, hey, you bought from me. Now we're best friends. We're going to be in a relationship here. I'm going to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I want to give you everything I can to make life better. Right with with whatever you're interested in, whatever I can do to help you pursue your passion, I want to do that. That's how our company works. That's you know what we have going on. This is this whole experience I've built out. Now, if two weeks later I send you something special as an upsell, how likely do you think you are to buy that monster? Whoa, whoa! It doesn't matter if it's on Amazon or on my store. Mm Hmm. That alone took my post-purchase upsell rate from like 15% to like 40. It's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely preposterous how well that works. And then guess what? Everybody joins my, I can't say everybody, but most people will join the Facebook group or my social media followings. And what does that do? It allows me to nurture those relationships and have discussions with those people so that when I run sales every six weeks, I get repeat business and easy reviews. Why? Just because I took the time to have something ready to go for people. Now, if you don't buy from my Shopify store, you're still going to get something like that on the insert card. It's a big experience waiting for you if you want to come and have fun, right? Absolutely how you do that. So there's the next part of that that most people don't think about. We have attraction, we have conversion, we have deliverable, And I actually just covered talking about retention just a little bit. That's the fourth one. How do I get people to continually re-engage, give them a reason to come back to me so that I can take them not from zero to one sales, but from one to two to three to four to five without continually having to buy new customers? Easy. Attraction, conversion, deliverable, retention. The fifth one is cash flow. Got to know your cash flow.
1: Got to know cash flow.
0: Right? So those are the five systems. And no matter what you're doing, you can keep it so simple. Like I have print on demand stores and and I have people that I help set up something simple like that with less moving parts. And so, oh my gosh, what do I do? said, so, no, no, no. Simple Shopify store. You get two or three products. Here's how you test with Facebook ads. And we're going to just do email marketing beyond that. That's it. But what do we do? We have attraction. We can optimize for conversions. We have an amazing deliverable experience, and we're going to follow up and retain people via email, and we can manage cash flow. You don't need this wild 20-armed monster of an operation. And that's another thing. People get into Amazon, and they have their savings, and they spend money on products from overseas, and they bring them in, and there's this huge amount of moving pieces. But I have to always ask, what business do you have spending that much money when you don't actually have much business experience, wouldn't it be better to map out the systems and say, okay, let me give myself less pieces to track here that are actually still going to be effective while I spend a little bit less money but give myself business experience so that I can spend a bigger amount of money more effectively and with more knowledge later? Absolutely. Whoa, that's a big one.
1: Yeah, we co- so we covered a lot. So anybody who's just joining us, uh, be sure to take a look at. We got the YouTube video going over on the Crewmies channel. Uh, you can also now go to the Amazon, uh, or I'm sorry, to the Apple Podcast. Look up Seller Growth Podcast. Yes, you have to add the word podcast in order to find it. And uh, man, we just covered a lot of great information. Uh, any last questions that anybody wants to jump in? I will be getting Stephen back on later this year. That's guaranteed, and we will definitely cover another whole line of uh, subjects and everything. Uh,
0: we, and guys, we we can drill down on whatever you want. My brain is yours. You can send Robbie all the questions you want, and say we would love to see a deep one on this narrow little topic. And believe me, he and I could talk for hours because we <laughs> we understand each other, and we just love talking about all of this. So, yeah, you guys can yeah, send we, that our way.
1: We definitely appreciate all the great comments coming in. Yes. And, uh, yes. you know, it's funny that at the very end, Stephen mentioned about, you know, uh, having cash flow. Hey, I got to throw it out there. CrewMe.com uh, three, takes three minutes to fill out a form for Amazon funding. Uh, go take a quick look. I mean, they're sponsoring the show, plus I work there. So please take a look at that. And, uh, Stephen Black, it's been awesome having you on. And uh, please, everybody, hit that last second, hit that like and uh, subscribe button. Coming on next week, next Tuesday on the podcast, I will have live the best beard in the internet, Mr. Norm Ferrar. Oh, so man. be sure to tune in for that. And uh, appreciate, always appreciate having on always a very different angle than everybody else on some of the marketing and the different ways you could drive traffic. Uh, Stephen Black, I really appreciate it. Be sure to go take a look at Unstoppable FBA and uh, Facebook channel or group uh, Unstoppable FBA also. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll have uh, Stephen on hopefully later in the year. And thanks so much for being on the uh, Sila Growth Podcast, Stephen.
0: Thank you so so much, and thank you everybody that joined us. I really appreciate all the questions and all of you taking your time to come and join us. Um, you know, happy to keep it all going as as everything progresses. You can check my my group Unstoppable FBA on Facebook. Uh, if you want to join, just say this is where you found us, and it's all about the kind of stuff that we talked. About here, Robbie has been in there for forever now. Um, and you know, if you guys want to ask questions, he and I and other experts will answer you and help you any way that we can. Um, as far as the cash flow thing, yeah, definitely check out the accrue me site. Definitely want to talk to those guys, especially once you start mapping everything out and you can see, oh, okay, it's not just I need money this is where the money would go. So I can do this much smarter. They would love you if you had that sorted out before you talk to them. It helps. It helps because you're only going to have a better ROI when you use that. And it's an important part of business. So there you go. Thank you so much, everybody. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, Robbie.
1: Uh, Thank you. So every week on Tuesday at 10 o'clock Pacific, uh, what's that? One o'clock in the afternoon, East Coast. Mm -hmm. Be sure to uh, tune in. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us this week on the Seller Growth Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, AccruMe. If you are an Amazon seller looking for funding, be sure to visit accrume.com and fill out the three minute instant funding form. Join us next week for more great tips to help you grow your business.